Week, Jason. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. Now, first things first, I'm going to take a second and introduce my lovely wife, Carrie, back to the show. <laughs> Hi. And then he's going to proceed to blame me for today's episode. Wait for it. Every now and then, Carrie pops into my office at home and says, we have to cover this movie. And I'm like, oh, I'm interested now. What are we covering? It's got Adam Sandler in it. And all of a sudden, my interest drops. But I'm, I'm game. I'm a gamer. It's all good. Right? And then she tells me, it's like, well, it's got Andy Samberg in it, too. I'm like, okay. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And then we watch it. Okay, you forgot Mr. Ice. Okay, but we'll get there in a bit. When you're this icy, they call you Mr. <laughs> but there are times when we're watching a movie and Carrie has to occasionally check on me to say, you okay? You doing okay? This was one of those times because we are talking about that's my boy. And I, I don't think it's a far stretch to say that this is a very Carrie movie. <laughs> it is the quintessential very Carrie movie. And I must say, you forgot to mention in the intro that I was in hysterics on the first <laughs> watch. I've watched this twice since. Um, well, willingly, yes. <laughs> freaking tears rolling down my eyes. Yeah, she's checking on me to see if I'm okay while watching this, and I'm checking on her to see if she's okay while watching this for very, very different reasons. But before we get into That's My Boy, it is time to take this Adam Sandler comedy and trailerize it. Imagine a world where sexual depravity and inappropriate relationships are celebrated and can catapult you to celebrity status. Before you say anything, no, that's not a good thing. Stop hearing that. What's wrong with you? Adam Sandler turns his favorite Pornhub category into a movie in That's My Boy. He's Donnie Burger, a teacher-banging, hard-drinking, foul-mouthed, horned-up, idiotic, stuck-in-the-80s masturbating product of the American cult of personality. He's trying to reconnect with his estranged son with a strange underwear fetish so he can get money and keep out of jail. With enough cameos to fill a season of the surreal life and a complete smashing of the cinema's moral compass, it's That's My Boy. Starring the 2023 Mark Twain Prize for American Humor winner, Adam Sandler. Whoa, 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 whoa. The f did that just say? That's gotta be a typo. He won that award? I don't even know what funny is anymore. His comedy passed me by. All that I thought I knew is now a lie. What is funny? 
Are we the joke now? Are the gods laughing with us or at us? Is next year's prize winner a whoopee cushion? What would Mark Twain say? The curtain falls. The clown has laughed his last laugh. That's my boy. Rated R for rest in peace comedy. Would you like a <laughs> Snickers bar? You are one step away from get off my lawn. <laughs> Holy <laughs> sh- <laughs> We went there. We went there. Wow. Yep. You okay? I, I, I'm, I'm, okay. I don't think you are. Okay, first things first. And and I, I don't mean this as any disrespect, but how the f- did Adam Sandler win the Mark Twain Prize for American Hugh? The f- Really? Did we run out of comedians? Do we, do we need to buy some more? Do we, can we get those at Amazon? Oh, <laughs> But let's get into That's My Boy. This film stars Adam Sandler, Andy Samberg, Leighton Meester, Susan Sarandon, Eva Amuri, Vanilla Ice. Yep, Vanilla Ice. Milo Ventimiglia, Will Forte, Rachel Dratch, James Caan, Tony Orlando. And this is actually the final film of Peggy Stewart, who passed away in 2019. She played the grandmother in this. Uh, the film was directed by Sean Anders, uh, who went on to then direct Spirited, Instant Family, and the Daddy's Home movies. It was written by David Casp. This is the only movie he has ever written. Now, he was the creator and writer of Happy Endings, but no, this is the only movie he has ever written. Now, the funny thing is, apparently, this film made the 2009 blacklist. The blacklist is basically a list of scripts that are the the quote-unquote most liked unmade scripts of the year. So somehow, someone looked at the script and said, oh, this is great. I I can't believe it wasn't made. We should put this on the blacklist. This script. This script. You're looking at me like, wow. But it it gets worse. It gets so much worse. The film was originally apparently rated NC-17, but then they were able to change a few things and get it down to an R rating. Now, the accolades for this. Sean Anders, the director, won the Hall of Shame at the 2013 Alliance of Women Film Journalists Award. It was named the worst film at the 2013 Oklahoma Film Critics Awards and at the 33rd Razzies. All right, here's the rundown here. It was nominated for Worst Picture. It lost to Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. Sandler won for Worst Actor. Worst Supporting Actor nominated were Nick Swartzen and Vanilla Ice. Oh, come on. They lost to Taylor Lautner in uh, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. Adam Sandler and either... Leighton Meester, Andy Samberg, or Susan Sarandon were nominated for Worst Screen Couple. They lost to Mackenzie Foy and Taylor Lautner from uh, Breaking Dawn Part 2. Sean Anders was nominated for Worst Director. He lost to Bill Condon for Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. The film was nominated for Worst Ensemble. That lost to Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. I'm seeing a theme here. But it did win for Worst Screenplay. Now, the funny thing is, though, 
at the 2012 Teen Choice Awards. It was nominated for Choice Summer Movie Comedy or Music. Uh, That lost to Katy Perry, Part of Me. Adam Sandler was nominated for Choice Summer Movie Actor. He lost to Chris Hemsworth for The Avengers and Snow White and the Huntsman. And Leighton Meester was nominated for Choice Summer Movie Actress. She lost to Kristen Stewart for Snow White and the Huntsman. Now, do you want to know how bad this film is? And I know you like this film. I loved it. And we are going to actually say good things about this film, but we need to put all of this out on Front Street because, whoo, okay, there's a Wikipedia page. List of films considered the worst. This film is on that list. No. Yes. With Along with movies like Movie 43. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whew. I have to find that wiki page. Oh, because I, don't worry. It's, it's there. That would be probably a list of my top 10 favorite movies. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Just great. Thanks. <laughs> this film had a budget of $70 million, according to IMDb. Domestically, it grossed $36 million, and worldwide, it only grossed $57 million. So, it is actually a money loser. And it, with all due respect, it's one of the few films from Adam Sandler that did not make its money back. Adam Sandler does have his dedicated following. I do appreciate that. His brand of humor clearly was good enough to win him the Mark Twain Award. I'm still not over that, but whatever. Um, However, when it debuted on the June 15th weekend in 2012, it debuted at number four. In the number one spot for its second week was Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. But also debuting at number three, so one step above, was Rock of Ages. And I know that movie qualifies as well, so... Ah, that weekend could come back to haunt us again. But the critics. I'm, you're probably going to guess what the critics are rating this. But I'm, I'm gonna, first going to tell you the Metacritic score. It has a meta score of 31. And the audience score is 51%. But the tomatometer. 20%. That's actually higher than I thought. Okay, I'm glad you said it. Because I I was thinking the same thing. I thought we'd be looking at like a 10. (laughs) Or worse. Or worse. Or worse. But yeah, for some reason, like 20%, but yet it's still listed on Wikipedia as one of the worst films ever. And I understand why, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But let's get to the breakdown of this and actually find the good things to say about this. You know, we torn it down. Now it's time to bring it up. And we have to start at the top with Donnie Berger himself. Adam Sandler. I'm going to let you start because <laughs> I have things to say, but I'm going to let you start. Okay. Well, let's start out on a positive note then. <laughs> you know what? I I, I think, you know, there, there's that that drinking game or that, that theory of if you could sit down at a dinner table with 10 actors or anybody, right? Um, Adam Sandler would be definitely invited to the table. I would love... Please let me know when that is. I will make sure I am scarce that night. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy washing my hair. Mm, um, my hair. My hair. 
no, you know what? I I would absolutely love to meet Adam Sandler. And just, I I have a feeling that he would just be the funniest person because the roles that he plays are just so incredibly, like, like overly over the top out there, right? But to be able to do that, to kind of disconnect from the real Adam Sandler to play any one of these characters, whether it be little Nikki or um, Donnie Berger, um, you know what? It would just be so incredibly like it's it's I, I would I would love to sit and pick his brain about like how how did you come up with this character and like what like <laughs> how did you make him just so incredibly inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> but you know what but yet yet still maintain to make him charming and you know what I say that because I know that in the movie right no matter which character he met and interacted with he could just he could win over a room any room and it was <laughs> you know what it's it's a pretty it's it's definitely a talent it's a pretty cool um yeah it's a pretty cool talent that he has okay so let me clarify my standpoint on this okay i don't dislike adam sandler because I think that he has built a very good business for himself. He clearly understands what his audience likes. I, I think Adam Sandler is a very smart individual, like a very savvy business person. Like he he caters to his audience. He gives them exactly what they want, right? It's, you know, that's to be commended. And he has worked for everything that he has gotten. So this is not against Adam Sandler, the person. I think what it is, and we talked about this with little Nikki, right? Most of Adam Sandler's characters are losers with a heart of gold. That's okay. But it's almost like it it's it's almost like Saturday Night Live rules where they'll find one little quirk or one little thing that's that's funny in a two to three minute sketch, but once you know, once it's stretched out to ninety plus minutes. It gets a little annoying. Okay, but you have to admit that it is a fine art to make the most unlikable characters charming and intriguing and like likable. <laughs> like, I, I but I think there's the thing is that in a lot of cases, yes, he can actually do that. You know, if you go back and listen to our ridiculous six episode, I I give him full credit. Uh, like that movie probably shouldn't have been made it's so wrong but yet his character in that is actually quite good I, I i fully appreciated him in that role um you know movies like the wedding singer again full credit where credit is due he did very well um i will go on record in saying that i really enjoy you don't mess with the zohan this this role donnie Berger. the problem i think is how Donnie Berger becomes who he is like we have to we have we kind of have to call this out right now okay the the subject matter of this movie is very 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 wrong 
this is like someone read like the the Wikipedia page of the Mary Kay Letourneau story, and this was the takeaway that they got from it. That's not the takeaway you want from this, because it's almost like a little too close to the Mary Kay Letourneau story, and that's not cool, right? Yeah, you can play some of these things for jokes, but it's it's almost like they went way too far. No, but I think they had to go overboard, truly, because you know what? That's that's a perfect example of being able to separate reality from entertainment. Mm. And you know what? If you look at this movie as, holy shit, is this based on a real story? Then, okay, then it's, it's not going to sit well. However, if you just look at it like, you know what? It's entertaining it's over the top and it needs to be and you know what it's damn funny like how he got there how he became who he is I mean he was just a child right mm-hmm. so okay if, if you look at it that way um and you know the events in his life that made him who that made him the man he was and hence you know tracking down his estranged son um what 30 years later uh just before his son's wedding um you know his motives yeah you could you could look at it like wow that's a really bad person that's a really bad movie it's it's bad everything's bad but you know what (laughs) again it's a movie it's entertainment it's meant to be uh, put your brain on vacation, put any sense of reality and any moral code aside for two hours and just f- laugh. And and if you look at it that way, then yes, it's a great movie. Okay, so let me, let me draw a parallel here, if I may. So you can, you have to assume that this film is very loosely, very loosely, based probably on the Mary Kay Letourneau story. Um, Obviously, a very, you know, almost headline approach to it, like the the Coles Notes version, like, okay, this happened, let's base it, and then throw in a bunch of Adam Sandler-isms and a lot of comedy to it. Back on the last Grading on a Curve, we talked about Blonde, which, of course, was based on a a book that was pseudo, not really sort of based on reality of Marilyn Monroe. Not really in reality, but just very, very loosely based. So you really did not like Blonde, yet you really liked this. Is it the comedy that saves this film? Well, absolutely, but you're comparing very much very very oh very different dark, films yes um almost tragic you're you're comparing like a tragic tale of a woman's life versus you know what um and again i i don't want to be sitting here and defending uh, the motives of the teacher who, you know, essentially took advantage of a, of her student, of mm-hmm. a child, right? That's not cool. I will fully say that, but, um, 
you know what? It's entertainment. And did the comedy save it? I mean, definitely it had to be a comedic movie. But you know what? I'm looking beyond the how he became a dad. I'm looking at 30 years later, he's a grown-ass man that's still literally acting like... um, you know, a 12 year old, I don't know how much, how old, he, he, you know, he was, was he 12. In, he was in, he was 12. He okay. was 12. So if you get past the beginning of the movie, then it's hilarious, right? A, a grown man tracks down his son, um, you know, to basically he, he's trying to get money. He's trying to, um, get the, um, He's like basically, reality he's, producers. Yeah, he's trying to stay out of prison is what he's trying to do. Yeah. It's a very selfish motive. Yeah. But, okay, I, I will say this, right? And, yes, I, I, I admit that Blonde is maybe not the best comparable to it, but you can kind of see why why I draw the parallel. I, I'll, I'll say this. If you didn't know that something like this actually happened in real life, then this is just... A funny Adam Sandler movie with a, a goofy character, whether you like his comedy or not. But, and and even if you just sit there and said, okay, maybe it's based on the Van Halen Hoffer teacher song and video. Okay, I can, I can get with that. But Yeah, and I think you have mm-hmm. to look at it that way. It's like, you know what? Fictional characters. Fictional characters, yet some still very... You know, and we're going to get to this a little bit later. There's there there's some almost taboo subjects that are going on in here that are played for comedy. Um, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It actually, you know, the it, whole it gets worse. teacher uh, <laughs> student thing was really just the icing on the cake. Right. <laughs> but but let's talk about uh, Donnie's son, Todd, or his real name, Han Solo Berger, is played by Andy Samberg. Okay. So this is where I get to start talking good things here. Todd slash Han Solo is the kind of role that I think plays to Andy Samberg's strengths, right? You take a look at him on Brooklyn Nine-Nine as Jake Peralta. And even though Peralta is a bit of a goof, there is a, there is a straight up heart of gold in Peralta. The thing is, Todd is a really good guy. And he has his coping mechanisms obviously because of his upbringing but everything todd does is for the betterment of his life he's he's trying his best and you understand why todd you know went estranged from his father but how was andy sandberg for you he was you know what he was absolutely perfect and i could not picture any other actor in that role you're right that andy sandberg just has that way about him that he can pull off absolute goofy and yet you still take him seriously because he's he's just such a force mm-hmm. right he's just so like it, it's it's so hard to explain it or to find the right words but he you know what he can play he can play it serious and then completely turn and be the funniest, like drop the funniest line. Mm-hmm. He makes his characters much more three dimensional than just a, like a one note joke, right? Like mm-hmm. Andy Samberg is a phenomenal actor, like as far as comedy goes, because it's not just you know the goofball 
it's not just a one note joke played for 90 minutes or however long the show is. He is really good at, you know, and in this case, basically being the straight person to all the insanity around him. Well, and that's the thing is, you know what, how he kind of warmed up to the comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, he could have played it extremely straight laced the entire way, but he didn't. You no. know, there was that scene um, at the bachelor party where, like, he really connected with his father, I think, because he was able to let go of mm-hmm. the persona. You know, and I think a lot of the persona was um, for, you know, the the benefit of his, his soon-to-be wife. Yeah. Well, it's also him trying to change his life for the better. Like, Todd is a much more nuanced character than I think this film actually deserves. Um like that that that's a kudos to Andy Samberg here. But let's move on to his fiance, Leighton Meester, who played Jamie. How was she for you? I mean, she was great. Um she she was just cute as a button and yet you know, she had a darker side, but she she hit it well and she played really really um yeah. Yeah, she was good. Okay. This is where I'm going to ward our audience. This is where things are about to start to get spoiled. Spoilers. Okay. So if you haven't watched this movie, my God, you're a lucky person. But if you if you are <laughs> considering watching this movie, take a second, pause the podcast, go watch the movie, go wash your eyes out with a really, really strong soap, and then come back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. 
And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Okay, you're back now? <laughs> okay, so what I, I need to say about her is that you didn't see it coming. You didn't see the plot thicken. Okay. I'm just going to call this out right now. Jamie and her family went full Targaryen. Like, full Targaryen. Like, they, they be f***ed up. All right? So, all throughout, Leighton Meester is, you know, Jamie's a bit controlling of Todd to a point, right? Todd is not exactly a strong person because he's had to adopt all of these coping mechanisms in order to be able to overcome the you know his upbringing basically she kind of uses that as the tether to get Todd to do whatever she wants but she's also uh let's see here having sex with the boss his boss so she so he can get the promotion and she's also having sex with her brother because yep Full Targaryen. So not only do we have teacher-student sex in this, we also have incest because this is the happiest family movie that's out there. <laughs> you know what though? I think I think Todd was really just a pawn. Like yeah. he was he was literally an accessory, right? Like yeah. I mean, she she really <laughs> she didn't care. I think she just wanted to wear her pretty wedding dress. Okay, but, but, like, you know, having her private tickle time with her brother, wrong. Yeah, that wasn't tickle time. That was not tickle time. Um, But the thing is, the fact that she does play Jamie very sweet at the beginning of the film makes that reveal that much more shocking. Right. If she was uber bitchy through the whole thing, then be, then you'd be like, okay, I kind of saw it coming. But she is pretty sweet, especially like at the beginning when we first meet her, and she's you know, like very nicely checking in with Todd to make sure he's got his his comfort underwear in his pocket and all the things that he needs in order to be able to get through a day. Like Todd is a broken man with things that he does in order to get him through a day she seems very understanding of that but i think she also now that we know what's going to happen you know we see that as her way of keeping him on the leash that she keeps very tight in a in a very not passive aggressive way but in a very manipulative way you know what i did like about her character until i found out that she was just a targaryen you um I liked how she was so accepting of mm-hmm. Donnie when he first just showed up at the door, like with this how to screw in the dark book. <laughs> Which for the record Which is hilarious. If you got me that how to screw in the dark book, I would laugh my ass off. That was that was actually really, really funny. I, <laughs> I, I appreciated that. I loved the reaction of grandma when she opened that. Right? <laughs> she was pretty damn cool. Okay. Since you mentioned her. Okay. Love her. Let's talk about Peggy Stewart. Like I said, this was her last film. Okay. How was Peggy Stewart for you? Oh, I I can't say enough. Big love. Like she was so, oh my God, she was so funny. Everything from falling asleep at the table to um, 
that's weak, Todd. (laughs) (laughs) She just had the best lines. She was so knowing, you know, like, and yet just played it so sweetly. Like the, like the perfect quintessential grandmother. Oh, I just loved her. Grandma Dolores in this film is what happens if HBO redoes the Golden Girls. In a very, very wrong way. Also, no, we do not need HBO redoing the Golden Girls. HBO is messing things up as it is. Don't, don't, don't touch that property at all. She was really sweet. Like, it's the Estelle Getty factor, right? Estelle Getty, in, in her career, was able to get some of the best laughs no matter what she was in. Steals the show. And she really did that with the scenes that she was in here. Were there a lot of them? No. But every time she was on screen, it was going to be funny. So kudos to her. Um, let's get back to, you know, the Targaryen brother-sister combo here. So we can talk about Chad as as played by Milo Ventiglia. And by the way, if I mess up the name, sorry, idiot basement microphone I am. So how was Chad for you? He was scary. <laughs> <laughs> He played his his role well as the um, the soldier on leave, I guess, or was he just visiting no, for he, the wedding? No, he, well, he's he's visiting for the wedding, but mm-hmm. but he's not really a soldier. He just buys the uniforms on like on like websites. So and he's actually just a you know wannabe stage dancer. That's, but I like the fact that he plays that that rough tough gatekeeper for Todd you know before he marries his sister like when you when when the incest scene happens you really don't expect it you 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 think you know but then it happens and you're like oh it's oh it's him oh oh it's him (laughs) oh that's just nasty (laughs) you know what I loved though is um at the end of the bachelor party where the, the bouncer was carrying him out and he's like sucking his thumb and curled up in the fetal position. Right. Like, like that that's the thing. Like up until the incest scene, he's actually really, really funny. And I'm not saying I didn't, you know, get a chuckle out of the that of that reveal. It's definitely out of left field. Um, but you know, he really played the foil for Todd very very well um i just can't believe he went from playing rocky balboa's son to this character that's (laughs) like that's a stretch that's a stretch um we didn't really see much of them in the film they didn't really do too much but blake clark and megan fay uh as jamie's parents how were they for you oh you know what um i mean that's the thing they were there you know but it really wasn't grandma dolores was funnier yeah yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, at that point, the parents were kind of inconsequential. They were there, you know, they had to be there because, you know, daughter's wedding. Yeah. Um, yeah. You would hope they'd and, be there. And everyone's getting together at the family home um, leading up to the wedding. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was, they they were fine, but I think they had to be kind of under understated just because of they they had to allow for room for the the build of the other characters. Yeah. Plus, I mean, there's a lot going on in this film with a lot of different characters. Um, that brings me to Tony Orlando, who of course plays uh, Todd's boss. The way that he was so present 
in the everything. Like, if you weren't paying attention, you'd think, is he related to Jamie? But then it's like, oh, no, Todd's boss. But it, it kind of feels like an almost parental relationship or at least an uncle relationship. So I don't know if he's related or not. It's very weird. But, I mean, how was he for you? You know what? He was great. But I think even better is the scene at the wedding where we see his son. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, the, the, the son that he complains about, what you know, too tall kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, like... And, and I think maybe that's it, is that, um, he, you know, he kind of adopted Todd as his own, you know, kind of took him under his wing, wanted to take care of him. No, no, he, he took Jamie he, under his yeah, wing. Okay, yeah, okay, let's... Okay. Um, <laughs> but... But, you know, maybe because his son was a disappointment to him that he, you know, he kind of reached out to to Todd and wanted to take care of him while he's taking care of Jamie. Exactly. Under the sheets. Uh, Again, a lot of wrong going on in this film. It's so wrong. (laughs) Will Forte as Phil. We didn't we didn't really get too much out of his wife Rachel Drash, but how was Will Forte as Phil? The the best man who kind of steps aside so so you know Donnie can kind of take over in that role, but the guy who also sits at the bachelor party and how was he for you? You know what? I felt that he was completely unnecessary aside from the fact that they wanted to show that Todd had like straight and narrow friends. I and think- was kind of rolling with the I don't know, the preppy, wealthy type. Like, I really thought he was a tad ineffectual. Actually, I'm going to argue that one. Okay. I, I Because I think he is necessary because he needs to show the kind of person that Todd is trying to connect with, to, to get away, to break away from, you know, from Donnie and all of Donnie's friends, you know, growing up. Phil is what Todd is trying to become, not necessarily that person, but at least that sense of normalcy. Um, and I think it's a very, it's a very Will Forte kind of character. It's, it's almost tailor made for him. Like that's his perfect brand of comedy at that point. But I I will say he needed to be there because he, he almost in his presence and the things that he was doing, like, like setting up the bachelor party at the spa and whatnot, his actions tell taught more of Todd's story than Jamie and anyone else in the in the wedding party. I guess so. It's just kind of like, you know, I mean, I, if you could argue that Vanilla Ice was just as important to tell Donnie's story. Oh, he absolutely was. He was so important. <laughs> okay, since you mentioned him, yep. this is this is where things start to get fun here. Vanilla Ice as Vanilla Ice. Holy crap. I'm going to say that, but first of all, how was he for you? Oh, my God. I, You know what? I have to even wonder if he was even acting or if that's just, that's just Vanilla Ice. <laughs> but f- was he funny. Oh, my God. You know what? <laughs> Every scene that he was in, I, I, I was I was giddy. I was like, my, my 13-year-old heart was just like, ah, <laughs> it's Vanilla Ice, VIP posse. 
Yeah. 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 You went there. Yeah. I'm, do I need to check your back for a vanilla ice tattoo? <laughs> or a new kids on the block tattoo. With, which the, with the misshapen heads. Love that. <laughs> um, I have to give props where props are due. I love when celebrities who had a maybe a fleeting, you know, dance with celebrity. You know, like, let's be honest. He's pretty much a one hit wonder. I <gasps> Yeah, I went there. Okay. Ninja Turtle rap. He he had that renovation show. Mm-hmm. He was on the surreal life. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not helping his case here at this point. <laughs> you know, you, all you I can mentioned say, the surreal life. You're really not helping his case in this point. All I can say is that every one of his projects, he was vanilla ice. Vanilla ice as, you know. Vanilla Ice in. Like, I don't think he was acting in this movie. He was just Vanilla Ice. And I f- love when Donnie showed up to his house. He's like, you still got that 5.0? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That scene, every scene thereafter, I was in hysterics. I had tears rolling down my eyes. <laughs> Okay, but if you if Big I fan. if I take a look at your computer and your Amazon search history and I see vanilla ice lawn sprinkler, <laughs> th- we got problems here. Does that exist? Uh, I hope not. And if vanilla ice hears this right now, please don't make that. I'm a water fountain. No one wants that. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs> but no, I, I I truly do love when when actors and celebrities don't take themselves seriously at all like they have fun with the persona right i mean let's be honest one of the best nick cage films of recent memory is the unbearable weight of massive talent why because he he played the persona for the last and it was perfect it was a great film here vanilla ice is playing vanilla ice but like the the almost the uber you know the, the the parody of the celebrity that he that he is right but more to the point the parody of the celebrity that he was in his in the day like this is funny and he played it so well but not yeah. over the top right he played it very straight which i think even made it funnier and that's the thing is like it it wasn't over the top it could have been way overdone but no it was just it was subtle enough, like the scene at the wedding. I don't. Th- he he may have had like two lines. That's all he needed. But he f- stole the show. I mean, aside from the big reveal and you know, the the end scene is it, it's incredible. Uh, <laughs> but Vanilla Ice made the scene when he walked out with two middle fingers up. Oh my God, love! I loved it. Okay, so it was so funny. Another cameo in this one is James Caan as Father McNally, the former fighter turned turned priest who decides to give Andy Samberg a you know a, a relapse of his boxing days. But how was James Caan for you? Oh my God, I loved him. I loved I loved the turnaround too, where he was totally like on Todd's side. Yeah, well, I mean, he doesn't want Todd to marry into like discount Targaryens here. <laughs> But I th- I think he's the kind of actor that is gruff enough to pull that off 
yet funny enough to also pull it off as well. Like you, you have to be funny to be able to pull that off in a, in a, in a very subtle way. And it was very subtle. Like you couldn't put Al Pacino in that role. Because he'd be like, well, how are you doing, Todd? <laughs> I have to say, the first time I saw the movie, I think I stepped out of the room. Um, and, and and like, like it, the scene in the church where they were talking, I had stepped away and then walked back in and they were fighting. And I was like, what the hell happened here? <laughs> <laughs> Why is the priest taking out, uh, taking, you know, Todd outside and kicking the we now come to the object of affection for Donnie Berger, Mrs. Mary McGarrickle. Initially played by Eva Amuri, and then later on played by Susan Sarandon. Now, I don't know. I'm going to ask you before I, I drop this here. How much research did you do into this film before we recorded this? Like zero. I watched the movie twice. Okay. So... This may come as a shock to you, but Eva Amuri is the daughter of Susan Sarandon. <gasps> really? So, yes, she played the younger version of her mother in this film. Oh, my God. I mean, I can see that. Like, mm-hmm. I, it, when as soon as Susan Sarandon walked through the 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 prison... Right, flicking her hair and stop for water. You know, it was like the perfect reenactment. And I thought, my God, they they do look similar. Yeah, I'm like, what a, what an excellent casting choice. But, but I did not. But, know but that. what an excellent casting choice because yes, I learned something today. Because Eva Murray is actually the younger version of Susan Sarandon. Um, okay, so let's start with younger Miss McGarrickle. How was Eva Murray for you? I mean, she was stunning, but she was really creepy. Right. I mean, <laughs> like, couldn't know, get over that. Had to be, yeah. obviously, because, you know, we're going down that very wrong road. Um, okay, but let's be honest that a very young Donnie kind of started it. You know, he, he was he was all talk. He was hitting on her. Right. But I don't think he expected yeah yeah no yeah no yeah this is happening detention went way wrong yeah but i mean it's like i mean it was it was funny it was icky it was it was it was a little bit yeah i mean was it funny after they got caught and and young donnie like you know walks out on the stage while everyone's like in shock and then he just like raises his hands in triumph and everyone cheers i mean funny wrong funny but wrong I think what made it funnier is that there was at first the gym teacher that was like cheering that um, the the young teacher got busted, mm-hmm. right? But then everybody else started cheering for Donnie. Yeah. You know, and it, even like the, the teachers were cheering for Donnie. He literally became a local celebrity. Yeah. For very, very, very wrong, wrong reasons. reasons. <laughs> and you know what? And and again, if that shaped the character of Donnie Berger, I mean, he was just a child, right? So again, maybe his morality wasn't quite there, quite in place. Um, and I think that led him to make a lot of really bad choices in his life. Like the rush car. 
Oi. <laughs> I mean, you you say what you will about, you know, you know, teacher banging, incest, public urination, uh, in public, uh, fellatio. You can say whatever you want about that, but don't you dare <laughs> talk trash about the rush, the rush car. I had to bring it up somehow. That rush car is a gem. Isn't it cool? It is it, cool. It is very cool. Right? Um, although I also have to give a nod of respect, um, take a moment to respect that Donnie always had a meticulously placed beer whether it be stuffed in his sock, so while he's on the ledge, he can have his what Budweiser. It was a, it was a really a ongoing Budweiser commercial. But I mean, and, and that's the thing too. Like there is a there's a ton of product placement in this, right? And it's all Budweiser, like Budweiser cans, Bud Light, Bud in, Bud bottle in the sock. Did you notice that there's Budweiser on the 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 wall of the the fake Fenway Park that they had made, kind of thing? Like Budweiser is all over the place in this one. Like Wayne's World would approve of the product placement. It's all about a Bud. Uh, I wish it was a better beer. <laughs> but 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 Coors we, Light. No. <laughs> But here's where we get to Susan Sarandon. And I think I have to say this. Not everyone's going to know that Eva Murray is Susan Sarandon's daughter. So once you find that, it's like, okay, that's a cool casting kind of thing. The fact that you have someone with the level of prestige as Susan Sarandon playing the older version of Miss McGarrickle saves this movie a little bit. If you have, you know, kind of like a, a no-namer who happens to just be like a hot older woman kind of thing, then it's it's like, okay, it's whatever. It's Susan f***ing Sarandon, right? I mean, the only thing that would make even funnier of it was someone like Helen Mirren, like someone of that level of, of stature. And Susan Sarandon is definitely up there. You put someone of that prestige level of, of filmography in a funny role like this and it makes it funnier like the minute she walked out i'm sure you were sitting there going it's susan sarandon that's exactly it yeah right yeah it makes the moment funnier it makes it it takes away from the wrongness of the scenario by putting the 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 laugh on the prestige cast it's like anytime tim robbins her husband shows up to um uh in any of those roles right like like in anchorman right like you have a prestige actor come in and and play 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 in a dirty sandbox this was kind of what this is well i think that was exactly what movie 43 was i mean we spoke about that where it was like yeah you have hugh jackman yeah with with a testicle neck yeah you have hugh jackman with a testicle neck <laughs> It's Hugh freaking Jackman <laughs> with a testicle neck. You got a little, you got a little thing on that, yeah. right? Yeah. Prestige actors <laughs> having fun. You had was it was it Gerard Butler as the gnome, as, as the as the 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 leprechaun? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like again, like serious actors who take on big serious roles, playing in the dirty sandbox. I appreciate that. And Susan Sarandon, timeless, really timeless. Like, she's awesome in this. Before we get to our MVPs, though. Twi- Can I, wait, 
before we uh, before we move on, can I just say though that I loved how Susan Sarandon played it that she never changed. She didn't grow up. She didn't become an adult. No. Nope. She was still as horny. I was going to say dirty. She was still as dirty. Dirty. Yeah. Dirty, uh, dirty with yeah. a U. Dirty. Yeah, she was dirty. <laughs> and it was it was so funny. Okay. It has come time. But before we get to our MVPs, Twitter has spoken on this one here. At Martin ZRA chimed in with absolutely the best. Donnie frickin' burger and vanilla ice is in it. What more do you need? And then, of course, our good friend Tim McCarthy from the 20 Tim Mints podcast chimed in with top five Adam Sandler movie for me. But so before we get to the MVP, um, I'm going to ask you, Carrie, is That's My Boy a top five Adam Sandler movie for you? Without a doubt, it's in my top three. Top three. Okay, so it's got to go little. Are you okay? <laughs> little Nikki. And The Wedding Singer. And then this. That's my boy. My boy, Adam Sandler. See, I'll agree with you on The Wedding Singer. I I think that movie is definitely up there. And I have to put You Don't Mess With the Zohan up there as well. I don't know if this is a top five for me. It's definitely not a top three. I don't think it's a top five for me. I don't even know if it's a top ten. I will say that at 20%, for a tomatometer, I think it could have gone up because while it it based itself on a very wrong concept, it only really used that concept to set up the dynamic between Todd and his father. It, it wasn't it wasn't ninety minutes of of teacher banging jokes. No, and that's the thing is, thank God they moved on. Mm-hmm. I mean, and. You know, 30 years later, really. Right. Um, I, I do have to say, though, that I had forgotten to, about Airheads, even though I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a disclaimer on that or in, an asterisk that Airheads isn't an Adam Sandler movie. He just happens to be in it. More of, you know, Brendan Fraser, more of like the ensemble. Yeah. See, um, I, I look at Airheads as more of a Brendan Fraser, uh, Steve Buscemi film as yeah. opposed to an Adam Sandler film. He just right. happens to be there. That would be that would be like saying Coneheads is an Adam Sandler film, but he's in it for like maybe five minutes. No, that's that that's a Dan Aykroyd film. Is he in Coneheads? He is in Coneheads. Very, very briefly. It's I need a small to rewatch. Cameo, I right? Don't, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I, it, like I said, it's not top five for me, but I think it is better than 20% because, like I said, as as wrong as the concept is, it didn't sit on that humor for the 90 minutes. It found other wrong things to, oh, yeah. to poke fun of, right? <laughs> but but it is it is the journey of Todd, really, as opposed to Donnie Berger. It's just I find it hard to get past, you know, whatever you know, character, character flaw. And it's usually a very loud character flaw that Adam Sandler chooses for his characters. That's why, you know, that's why I cannot stand little Nikki, right? Because it's 90 minutes of him talking like this and talking about the butterflies. I can't, I still can't, I can't get past that. Right. Uh, Hubie Halloween. Again, Despite the fact that Hubie has decent 
characteristics about the the character it's just you, you find it hard to get past the mumbling right the water boy again it's it's like cajun man for 90 minutes so it's everything else in the film is good but i just can't get past those and adam sandler isms but now it comes time to pick our mvp so no, mine's a no-brainer okay who is it vanilla ice okay okay do you have a a, I know why it's Vanilla Ice, but <laughs> but but did anyone make it difficult to to choose them over Vanilla Ice? Like some shout outs. Um, you know what? I I do have some shout outs mm-hmm. because Adam Sandler had brought along a very good team uh, of actors in this movie. He has his wife, who plays um, I think the massage therapist. And his children are in this movie as well, in smaller parts, mind you. But um, I, I, I think that's super cool. You know, like yeah. they're part of the Sandler verse, right? So, um, <laughs> it, it's the Kevin Smith rule. You know, you work with your family and friends, and um, I, I mean, it's again, it's it's very much akin to um, having Harley Quinn Smith. In, in Kevin Smith's movies. Right. I mean, I, I do appreciate that. And and I've, I think I've said it on other, you know, when we've covered other Adam Sandler movies in that because you have a, a, a list of actors who seemingly like to go back to working with Adam Sandler over and over and over again, gives you the, the inclination or the belief that an Adam Sandler movie set is a ton of fun to be on. I'm just grateful there was no Rob Schneider in this. Mm. So I have to get to my MVP. And I can't believe I'm saying this. But here we are. Vanilla Ice is the MVP. (laughs) I did not. I thought you were going to give uh, props to Adam Sandler there. No. I was scared for a moment. No. I never, yeah. never in the history of ever did I ever think I would be sitting here and saying Vanilla Ice is the MVP of a movie. And I'm pretty darn skippy. If we ever cover Cool as Ice, I'm pretty darn skippy. I'm not going to be saying it during that one. But holy crap. Didn't he make the movie, though? Vanilla Ice <laughs> stole the show. Yes. Like, as, as much as I enjoyed Andy Samberg in this, and as much as I really appreciated Peggy Stewart, like, almost Estelle Gettying this film, freaking Vanilla Ice is my MVP of this one. I can't believe I just said that. Okay, I cannot believe that sentence left my mouth. Do you, do you need a nugget pocket? I... Did I not use the phrase nugget pocket today in talking to you? <laughs> yes, you did. And, and here's... Respect. You know, credit where credit is due. This film has some very, very quotable moments. And I've said it in the past. Like The hallmark of a good comedy is if you find yourself repeating some of those lines in everyday dialogue after the fact. That's my boy did the job of what it needed to do. Wizard. Oh, did we really need to bring that one back? Because, <laughs> no. I loved that everybody played along with it. Oh, it's... You know, like yeah. the whole family, the friends, the wedding party. It, <laughs> the grandma. 
That was weak, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, if you're repeating the, the lines from the comedy movie, the comedy movie is good. And as much as, you know, for everything that I've said about Adam Sandler, he's not bad in this. I just have my own, you know, I have my own underwear to caress to get over an Adam Sandler performance. Yeah, I just went there, didn't I? <laughs> Forget about the Snickers. <laughs> I can see now. Do you, do you need your safety underwear? Do you need your security underwear? Forget the Snickers bar. I need my security underwear. Oh, dear God. The sentences that come out of my mouth whenever we do an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> like, if... if I, mean, I broke him. <sighs> a... You've made me, you know, say I need a security pair of underwear to caress when talking about Adam Sandler films. B, the words vanilla ice MVP came out of my mouth. I need help after this one. You've come a long way, Jay. I'm uh, proud of you. A long way down, maybe. <laughs> That's my boy. Oh, and on that note, Carrie, thank you <laughs> for, t- for talking about this film with me. Well, it's been a good run. This will be my last show. <laughs> and this is why... I'm getting fired tonight. I will be picking the next few films, I think. But Carrie, lovely as always. And to you, our listeners, you guys know the drill. If there is a film out there that you think is unfairly maligned or is just so bad much like this one that you think that we can't find anything good to say about it hit us up on twitter at not that Badcast or go to our website at notthatbadcast.com we will watch it willingly or unwillingly we will dissect it and we will find the good things to say because we are looking for those a grades in b movies until next time she's carrie i'm jay you're awesome for listening take care everyone It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.